1: This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the real threats to our liberty every Saturday from three to six, right here on News ninety five five and AM seven fifty WSB, and I try to tell you what the real story is behind the stories. And I'm not talking about oh, this is the personalities behind the stories. I'm talking about the stories. A lot of it is true. The stories are true. The this that. Twenty four seven news cycle, which repeats over and over again like that. If you ever like read a self help book, you see the technique where they repeat it over and over again, like the same exact thing over and over again to get it into your head. Like there's so much news, we could we could talk about all sorts of in depth policies, yet the same stuff just on all across that whole twenty four seven cable news cycle. Uh, and I say that those stories are picked and spun to drive home a point, to set an agenda, to influence, and not to inform. And so that's where I'm coming from. But who's doing it? Who is doing it? How? Why? If you listen to our podcast, my producer Binkley and I uh, do a podcast called The Propaganda Report, and which is now on a new URL, thepropreport.com. We just did one that I have gotten actually – emails. Whoa, there's a forum on our website now, so I get, like, a lot be able to communicate with people in real time. It's actually pretty awesome. It's not full, like, join up, but it's it's getting better every day. Anyway, so I keep getting these um, missives, whatever, people telling me they have to listen to the podcast, like, more than once. So I don't think anyone's going to mind if we play some of those clips that we played, because they were just so revealing, in my opinion, and Also, I think we might, it might not even hurt to play it more than once right here on the show. So people don't have to, I've also gotten like emails. I've got to pull over to listen to you sometimes. (laughs) Like, okay, that's, that's going too far. So I'm going to take it slow and, uh, and play maybe these things a couple of times. But Binkley, can you remind me, I'm, uh, there are different people talking in the different clips that you played for me. The next one I believe is going to be Richard Haas. Yes. Oh, so this is the CFR, not yeah. the Brookings Institution. Oh, why was I thinking Brookings?
2: Because I have a clip from the Brookings Institute. Okay, also. all right.
1: They're like sisters, in my opinion. They were established at the same time, which you pointed out around World War One, and I actually read the CFR roster. Like, and he talks again.
2: about Brookings.
1: Oh, okay. And it takes like. I really, my eyes go gloss over, but I like to read the membership roster. It takes like an hour of the CFR <laughs> because you you can look people up, but you could just, like, you see things that you don't expect to see. That's why yeah. I found out Wesley Clark's and Tulsi Gabbard, who has been fighting the good fight uh, against a war with Iran. Um, let's hope that she is sincere. Once I see on the CFR, Maria Bartiromo. Uh,
2: the Fox News?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yes. So... I was looking, and the Brookings Institute—it's the Hoover Institute and the Brookings Institution, or Hoover Institution and the Brookings—I don't know. But anyway, those are big think tanks. Brookings, Brookings, and the CFR have a lot of overlap with the people. But if you look at Brookings, it's so crazy to me that who sponsors them? It is just like global mega corporation after global mega corporation and foundations and countries. So, uh, to the extent these guys play by the same playbook, but the CFR, I mean, I think needs no intro- introduction, to the Council of Foreign Relations, where Hillary Clinton said uh, was the mothership where she goes <laughs> to get her marching orders, and, and Dick Cheney said, I don't tell my constituents, but I'm a lifer. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so, it's not funny. <laughs> it is sometimes. It's only because it's preposterous. So, let's hear... What? Um, all right. So who is this? What's the story?
2: This was an event at the CFR called a century of think tanks. And it was part of something called the 2019 Council on Councils, which is a really pretentious oh my name. God. <laughs> the Council uh, on Councils.
1: Is this the one? I don't think this clip is the one where he says, you know, like 100 years ago when it was clear that governments were not going to be in charge of governing we entered the stage it's like
2: (laughs) no but that he also did say he says something
1: like that that. all right so uh without further ado i have a lot of ado so all right um rachel please i i'm i'm gonna stop it probably halfway through but get started please on clip two
0: that's the council on foreign relations that's the fastest growing part of the council we continue for for the first 90 years of this organization i would say it had what you might call an elite or establishment focus and that continues and we continue to produce products and services for people in the in positions of power positions of influence and so forth but around 10 years ago we made the institutional commitment to reach a much broader swath of americans and again what we did was we thought about, who, what are the agents in a society who have what you might call the, uh, a multiplier effect? Teachers, journalists, people who give sermons in houses of, of worship, local political leaders. So what we did was we targeted all of them. And we've produced, whether services or materials, specifically designed for them. So we have workshops for teachers and professors, for religious leaders, Uh, We're now in in high schools and colleges in all 50 states. We're in 120 countries around the world. We're producing an entire curriculum, a basic curriculum about how the world works and why it matters called World 101. We have simulations that are out there to teach people about policy making as well as the basics of a liberal arts education. And I think the, the, the challenge is we've got to do all that at the same time we do the traditional sort of stuff hopefully do that better
1: okay Rachel you can stop it now if you don't mind thank you I'll finish in a sec so what what is so shocking to me about that is they clearly they have an agenda they serve it and then they serve it up they serve it up through a whole variety of institutions and sources that you trust that are there for you, that do not have their imprimatur, it is what they call, I believe, white propaganda. Where, Or no, black propaganda or gray. White propaganda is where a soldier hands a child a bar of chocolate. You know where it's coming from. You know what it's for. It still works. But if you don't know where it's coming from, like black propaganda, I believe, is like an outright false flag. Gray propaganda, where you do something and you say the other guy did it, it's like anti but yeah. the gray is where you don't really know where it's coming from. Right. So, uh, yeah. So that's. I mean, it's it's. It reminds me, Binkley, of a couple of the clips that you or quotes that you read, of um, where you need to get it from many sources in order for a like an idea to take hold. The more avenues somebody's hearing it from, the more of yeah. a variety they perceive. The
2: different methods of communicate the communication channels.
1: Yeah, and not only the platforms, but the actual sources. Yeah. So, and we've talked about this before, and I was saying, oh, that's what all those think tanks, all their websites look exactly the same. And even in one of the clips you played me recently, the guy says what is like, this is what the website looks like. You need a couple of videos. You need this. You need that. I was like, what? I, uh, how did it always pops out? Like you observe it and then they just admit it and people are like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, they're talking about it.
2: Yeah. They don't care. Right. He he said multiplier effect, too. That's they're targeting those people that have the widest and most influence on children to begin with, but just the general public. And then they're teaching them World 101, which I think is a hilarious name for uh, curriculum.
1: Yeah, because presumably that's what we're getting in our lives from our parents like from induction from our own observations but no they're they're making a subject of telling you how the world works how it's going to work yeah. for you if it's not just brainwashing you but laying out the lay of the land if you want it see that's the thing that i i've noticed for academia and, and everything like that where where it's purely political as opposed to economic so if you are selling shoes on the internet and nobody buys your shoes you go under if people do buy your shoes they go up. although that on the internet the search engine can change that so say you're on the street corner selling lemonade and somebody's across the street selling lemonade or right next to you the better lemonade or the better price or whatever is going to win and you're going to fail no matter how much rhetoric you spew (laughs) about you know marketing has value i get it whatever but but some of these things don't have that right so if you've got academics the I guess they have publisher parish, but you can be wrong. I always thought this about Ben Bernanke in the in the Fed. It wasn't the right or wrong that people debated about his zero interest rate and perpetuity policy. It was whether he fully grasped the what I call the paradigm. What 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 if he fully grasped what what academics said? Now that is where the rubber would hit the road, and there will be no accountability. If it if it was a failure. But in academia, you can you can lay out that paradigm and if your co-teacher fully grasps the paradigm, they could be made full professor with tenure because it's not about the reality, which they talk about. They talk about in some of those clips. I highly recommend people listen. I think it was was it episode one fifty one, I think.
2: 155.
1: Oh, okay. Never mind. I don't know. The one from I tweeted it. Ago. Okay, great. I think we just tweeted it. So, yeah, I mean, the multiplier effect, that just, it boggles the mind.
2: Yeah, and these are the same people that are creating the curriculum for media literacy that we're hearing so much about, which is going to dumb down further the population.
1: Well, I told you that I sat through a, a high school intro to that, a class like that, and it was the three rules the three rules of sourcing research from the Internet. Authority, authority, and authority. <laughs> <laughs> not plausibility, credibility, and evidence.
2: They didn't which, show a picture of John Brennan. This is where you get your information <laughs> from.
1: Oh, they pulled up CBS News. <laughs> there you go. Not, not that there's anything wrong with CBS News, but I would rather have... I think she wasn't Cheryl Atkinson on CBS News. That She, she had,
2: was. That's where she got...
1: She had plausibility, credibility, and yeah. evidence on when she broke Operation Fast and Furious, but now she doesn't have authority, so we shouldn't listen. To yeah, her. now
2: she's an anti vaxxer and she's even. Is she?
1: That'll bring her down. Like they still let her talk, but yeah, I think they won't. They won't allow that. I think
2: she's a good journalist, by the way. I was yeah. I, that I can't. I've
1: been waiting to to. I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop on her, and I have not seen it. So I do find her to be uh, so far so good. That's for sure. She's not one of these guys. But, oh, this reminds me, talking about preachers, if you don't preach what they want you to preach, I wonder if what I'm going to talk about next might happen. 800-WSB-TALK, you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Wow, that was intense. On News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. This show is always intense and uh, sometimes a little bit forgetful. Let me, I forgot to play the second half of that clip. Rachel, let's hear the rest of that clip. Uh, you
0: know, it's, it's, it's multitasking, but I, I think one of the lessons of the last couple of years, if war is too important to be left to the generals, foreign policy is too important <laughs> to be left to the foreign policy establishment. And there's going to be a broader conversation, and I believe institutions like these need to figure out a way, how do we become a resource <laughs> For that larger conversation in our respective societies.
1: So he's not even saying it's too important to be left to the voters, like Kissinger said about Chile. It's the it's too important to be left to the experts. These yeah. guys, I mean, that is arrogance. But lest you think this comes only from the left, I'm this is I consider that the left, but it's not. It's above it. I have this quote from uh, Irving Kristol. Bill Kristol's father, who wrote in Neoconservatism, the autobiography of an idea, he wrote, The American people know their common sense tells them that foreign policy is a subject about which they know little and that their opinions are not reasoned opinions, only shallow attitudes that are waiting to be shaped or reshaped into firm opinion. That shaping is the task of political leadership, which has to lead to make decisions and then be judged by the results kind of timid deference to supposed popular opinion now visible in Washington's elites only serves to diminish popular confidence in their wisdom and their competence. So he is calling for uh, the, the, the same thing, this rule by the elite, which is they are saying outright that we cannot engage in self-governance when we have this active foreign policy. So make that decision with eyes open they're telling you they're telling you it is here for us to see they are saying you cannot govern yourself in foreign affairs but we're going to take your money and your mandate in the name of your right to self-defense to get it out there uh binkley's got more gold for us after the break this is monica perez
2: my father died when i was six weeks old He was a fighter pilot in the Army Air Corps in 1943. My mother remarried when I was three years old and he was the veteran of 25 bombing missions over Japan. He was a radio operator on a B-29. He was my father until he died at 92. Both heroes.
1: WSB listeners have been leaving personal memorials for family members lost in battle this Memorial Day weekend. You can do the same using the open mic feature on the WSB radio app. And we'll continue to honor Memorial Day with you all weekend on WSB. The last hour, I uh, read the story of Ross McGinnis, who got a Congressional Medal of Honor for throwing himself on a grenade to save uh fellow soldiers and in my research I came upon two other names who also got Congressional Medals of Honor for throwing themselves on grenades to save other soldiers. Corporal Jason Dunham and Petty Officer Second Class Michael Monsour. And I these people willingly it's right, that some one caller said they did not lose their lives. They gave them and they did it for the right reasons, and we are blessed to have people like that in service and in our country. And I do celebrate that, and I uh, stand vigilant to try to make sure that we hold accountable the people who make these decisions. And I feel like that takes a lot of effort on our part, and I think the powers that be keep us pretty busy with a lot of hard work, we talked earlier, another caller uh, and I talked about it, progressive taxation itself can keep us too busy by having to work harder and harder all the time to stay informed and conscientious when it comes to how the, the people in power use that power in our name, with our money. I mean, the, government, the government's only power is our right to self-defense, that's why it exists our right to self-defense and we pay it for to help us help us not replace us but help us in exercising that so when they're doing stuff like we heard before the break if you haven't heard if you haven't heard this whole show you might check it out on thepropreport.com we push put this show up without commercials on wednesdays and our own podcast which a lot of times folds in a lot of this stuff on thursdays you can listen to this show then but we just played Uh, Some quotes and clips of people at the Council of Foreign Relations, Brookings Institution, uh, Brookings Institute, and other, uh, Irving Kristol was one of them, people who are kind of in that elite, who say openly that we are not capable as voters, as citizens, to control the foreign policy and that it needs to be controlled and used proactively and that only they can do that even even the foreign policy establishment to quote Richard Haas of the CFR is not competent enough to basically manipulate the world and they talked also an earlier clip about how What you want is for the teachers, the journalists, the politicians and the preachers to deliver your message. And in that effort, they have put out a lot of a lot of uh, paperwork and um, they're in like every college, every country, but they don't only put out materials and set up outposts, but. I believe it is clip two. Let's hear what what else they do. And this is a callback to shows that I've done before, a term I coined. Let's hear, uh, Rachel, please, clip two.
2: I think we played clip two already.
1: Oh, sorry, clip one. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. sorry.
0: I would also wanna end with one thing that is certainly
1: relevant in the US, but also very relevant in the Middle East, despite the climate is that we usually focus on the fact that think tanks produce studies and reports and information. But they also produce people. Uh, In the U.S., obviously, it's that revolving door. You know, they serve in administration, they come and they go back. There's a positive side to that, that those people in the think tank over the years that they're out of office at least are focusing on the issue that they're supposed to focus on and hopefully go back with more expertise. So I did a show. We did WSB show May fourth. I think it was of this year, 2019, where I call it was created persons. Created persons like uh, Stacey Abrams is a member of the CFR. Alexandria Ocasio was in one of these incubators for young people before she interned for Ted Kennedy. These are people who are released into the community to affect a goal without it being quite so obvious who they're working for. Otherwise the materials would be enough that the people are there to make sure things happen. And it's funny, he talks about it being in government too on the prop report where we have this forum now where we can talk to each other. Ken dropped an article. I think, I think, I didn't expect to talk about it. So, but I think this is right that People in government, when they go into private sector, get a 1,400% raise, like 14 times what they made before. I don't know if that could possibly even be true because they're pretty well paid when they're in the government. But I have known people like that that get an unbelievable private sector salaries because of two two possible elements. One is they know the loopholes in the law So you get like IRS people going out and working for accounting firms or people who know uh, what stock will benefit. Nowadays, I think Congress is not supposed to benefit from insider trading. I think they did pass a law. I'm not sure it is effective or not, but it used to be that it was unfettered. They could just even uh, they could even trade on stuff they didn't otherwise. That was like not public policy. Uh, So. The. And then the other reason would be they have connections, networks, they can make things happen. And that's where you can get big money. You can go from the government to the private sector and uh, really capitalize on your connections, like through venture capital or whatever, that kind of thing. Uh, do you remember, Binkley, who was who was saying that?
2: Yeah, that was
1: that was clip Paul one.
2: Salem, president at the Middle East Institute. And he used to be with uh, Carnegie. Carnegie Endowment.
1: Yes, the Carnegie Endowment, which famously was instrumental in getting us into World War I with the express goal of changing the culture of this country. They they will not stop short of that. That was something revealed in the Reese Commission, which was a subset of the House Un-American Activities Committee to see if tax exempt foundations were un-American. And in fact, they were found to be so. But so what? <laughs> and the,
2: the foundations are one of the major funders of a lot of these think tanks
1: That's the thing. It's foundations, it's corporations, it's um very powerful people from families whose names you would recognize. And the I mean the once I saw so we were you were showing me this stuff, so I started to investigate in a different way, kind of Brookings Institute and, the, and CFR. And I came upon the 2018 annual report of the Brookings Institute, and I just looked at the the people on the steering committee, all the people who've donated to it, and it is just a laundry list, a laundry list of global corporations, powerful people. And then if you actually read chapter by chapter in that annual report and paragraph by paragraph of what they're, they're saying they're doing. Uh, the two things that I just remember off the top of my head was the it, Trump's deregulation initiatives and trying to replace the Obamacare. Uh, they said they were like advising him every step of the way in that stuff. So I couldn't understand what, what Trump's deregulation, uh, initiative was the only thing i could think of is just like trade and tariffs you can pick winners with that stuff you can decide who gets the advantage and i was afraid of that but i don't really have a smoking gun there but when you see who's advising him on it and where their interests lie i i bet if you wanted to spend the time if you had a think tank that was truly independent you could connect the dots between the people who are supporting this institute and and the the direction the deregulation is going, they were also kind of disappointed that uh, Obamacare reform wasn't to their liking. But they're hopeful because the mandate was eliminated, which I totally agree. I don't. It was the one thing the most politically active I've ever been. I marched on Washington three times against Obamacare because I I I, I want the government out of it entirely. Of course, repeal and replace is not my mantra. Just repeal and liberate (laughs) you know that would work but should we you think we should play another one binkley what do you i think we referred to the one about government playing a larger role what was
2: that was clip three okay three
1: and that's richard haas of the cfr right yes all right rachel can you give me clip three do i need
0: this came at a time where in the early 20th century you had a whole movement to improve the quality of governance Uh, Brookings was founded at roughly the same time. There was pushback against the spoil system. The whole idea, in the government was going to play, as we saw in in succeeding decades, a much larger role in American life. New Deal being in some ways what ushered a lot of that that in. But the idea was that we needed strong institutions in our society to help improve or raise the quality of governance. And to some extent, it would come from within. But also it would come from outside, and whether it was a place to generate ideas, whether it was a place to generate uh, to develop talent. And this, it, you know, today we probably call it some version of a public-private partnership. But again, the idea was part of this what then meant the progressive movement, good government movement, the Goo But this was a, a powerful idea in early 20th century America, essentially part of the professionalization of government, which was going to take on an ever-larger role in American economic life, in American political life, and in America's foreign policy.
1: There are a couple of buzzwords in there that did not trigger me the first time I heard it, but they do now. Which ones? Well, uh, he said it's part of the progressive movement. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and that it was like a public-private partnership. Yeah. So people think progressive is super left and public-private partnerships are libertarian. I'm opposed to both of those things. And I always called the progressive movement as a way for industry to capture government. And then the third thing was they called professionalization of government. That's a technocracy. I mean, that, and, yeah. that's totalitarianism.
2: And he also said that the New Deal ushered in a lot of that increased governance control
1: intentionally, and it's good to know, to roll it back and, and point out that the CFR was, a, I believe, Colonel House, who was the Svangali of Woodrow Wilson, was a founder of the CFR, was he not? Do you remember that? Oh, you don't... That was something I found, right?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, so I've talked about Colonel House before. He was the puppet master for Wilson. And it was, it was at that time they decided that you had to have kind of control over the state department. And that was it. And if you had a captive president, you could really control all this stuff. And I've always highlighted FDR as the next generation of that captive president. It's, it took them a while to really get hold of it. And this is the outgrowth of that. So this is the CFR talking about how good the new deal was for that. And and, what do they
2: talk about now? The green new deal. The right. Oh the yeah. Window.
1: I saw a picture like a photoshop picture of AOC next to FDR in a like horse and wagon. Yeah. <laughs> you see that? Oh, is that a meme that's making the rounds? All right, so let's will let, wrap it up after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 7:50, WSB. We are wrapping it up. After uh, a very interesting and intense show, a lot of smoking guns, a lot of emotions. If you want to hear it, you can go to thepropreport.com. We put it up on Wednesdays, commercial free. And then we also do our own podcast. Binkley, my producer and I do a podcast that we put up on Thursdays. So check that out. We will be back next Saturday from three to six right here on WSB. And I, I have to say that was a very interesting ride we took. I mean, Binkley, I want to know kind of if there's any anything we left out on the on the smoking gun front. What's your upshot as we listen to the CFR and I had stuff from the Brookings Institute and other places where they're kind of open about about they are pushing their agenda and they're doing it outside uh, what's legitimate government?
2: They're very casual about it because they depend, and you mentioned this earlier, they depend on public ignorance of these foreign issues, and they keep us fighting domestically to keep us ignorant of these things. They don't I, want us asking questions.
1: Yeah, and I've actually noticed, like the guys, love it's far too important. Foreign policy is far too important to be left to the foreign policy establishment, which is a play on Kissinger saying the government, the president, who is president of Chile is far too important a question to allow the voters to decide. Yeah, And that's, I mean, and they're saying that laughingly, but I've numerous times, as you know, people like I get heat for seeing a conspiracy behind every Bush or thinking there's something at the top, some coordination that isn't reported on Fox news every night, but I can take quotes or clips like that. And if you just read the sentences without their casual, This is no big deal or take out global governance and put in global global government you know it's the the jig is up and you've got to say these guys some people don't i think it doesn't rise to the level of consciousness for the worker bees but these guys know exactly what they're doing and they chuckle about it when you get that occasional uh leaked phone call like between victoria newland about ukraine you get the picture they know what they're doing so more of this and, uh, and everything else that you love uh, next week on The Monica Perez Show.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.